O Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, that we may extend peace, hope, and love in the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Music is a hallmark of our worship here at All Saints. And this evening, we will be returning at 4 p.m. for lessons and carols, continuing a rich tradition that I thought began in the Episcopal Church, but learned that it actually began in Cornwall in December of 1878. The choir at Truro Cathedral uh, instead used to go door to door with carols. But that year, there was an announcement in the Cornwall newspaper and it read this way. The choir at the Truro Cathedral will sing a number of carols in the cathedral on Christmas Eve, the service commencing at 10 p.m. We understand that this is the wish of many of the leading parishioners and others. A like service has been instituted in other cathedrals and in large towns and is much appreciated. It is the intention of the choir to no longer continue the custom of singing carols at the residences of members of the congregation. From the Royal, Royal Cornwall Gazette, December 20th, 1878. And thus, the practice of going door-to-door -door caroling by choirs fell into disfavor. However, if the choir would like to come by my house, I'm not at all opposed. But music has always been a part of life in various forms, whether from nature with the sweet melodies of birds or the rustle of the trees, music is all around us. And then there's music that is humanly created. Like many of you, I grew up with a rich education in music in our elementary school. Mrs. Horn was our music teacher, and yes, that was her real name, Mrs. Horn. She would teach us breath control, short and long notes by holding up a piece of string, and if it was a quarter note, she would go like that. And if it was a half note, it'd be like this, and a whole note would be like that. Once we mastered that, eventually we moved on to singing musicals. Perhaps you have a favorite, Phantom of the Opera, La Cage au Fall, The Lion King, Strange Loop, Hamilton, or maybe you reach back a bit further as I do to my favorites, like Mary Poppins or Oklahoma. But there is one that is my very favorite. It will always be The Sound of Music. And each time I see it on TV or computer, it takes me back to a carefree and hope-filled days of my childhood. Do you remember the part when Maria, Julie Andrews, teaches them to sing on the mountainside the Do-Re-Mi song? How many of you remember that? Yeah. She sings, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. When you read, you begin with, when you sing, you begin with, Excellent. 
I love that song, but I never quite got the concept of the do, re, mi thing with music, and I've had the best try and teach me and tell me. It's just simple. It's do, re, mi, and I'm like, yeah, I can sing the song, but when you put it on paper, it doesn't make a lick of sense. I never quite got it. But the importance of starting at the beginning has never been lost to me. If you're going to have a solid understanding from which you need to move forward, you need to know where you're starting. Mark's opening of the Gospel of Jesus has no birth story like Matthew or Luke. It doesn't even have an absolute beginning like it does with John. Mark starts at the very beginning for his people, those who would hear him, who were under Roman rule and may have needed a reminder of the promise that God had given them from the prophets. He proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now that sounds like an opening prelude, like a short introduction, but it's not a simple prelude. It's a very, very powerful foundation. The good news is the same inscription from 9 BCE that announced the birth of the Emperor Augustus. It's like he shot a little uh, cannon over the bow of a ship and said, this isn't just anybody here that I'm bringing good news about. You thought Augustus was something? Look who I'm announcing. And then the term son of God, that was on Roman coins next to the portrait of Roman emperors. So the simple good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God, was really a very clear attack against the Roman Empire, saying someone new is on the scene, might be time to pay attention. Right out of the gate, Mark is proclaiming a new message that challenges the current order of things, and he takes them back to their heritage, to the prophets Isaiah and Michael, to the imagery of stories they learned as children and heard again as adults in the synagogue. Even in their time of great difficulty, God remembered them and that they should prepare themselves. Even as the life and the work of John the Baptist prepared the way of Jesus. Now, in Mark's gospel, it's not the sweet baby Jesus that we're looking forward to, but it's a grown-up Jesus. Not really the figure we think about at Christmas time, but it is an important reminder of what is yet to come. Jesus is coming. But before he did come, there were preparations that needed to be underway. John preached the baptism of repentance, and it resonated so well that people came from miles around. They left the cities and went to the wilderness, eager to embrace a changed life. Now, repentance generally doesn't sound like good news to me. It doesn't sound great when someone says, repent, repent. But good news does not always come wrapped up in a nice pretty bow. And the preparations for something wonderful always requires change. John called for change that started on the inside, and people responded to that message of confession and repentance. We don't talk about confession and repentance very much. We do confess corporately each time we gather for worship or when we do the offices, but I wonder, when was the last time you read a blog about repentance or a news article or talked to someone, a friend, about, you know, it's been a while since I've been to confession or 
I wonder what God is calling me to repent about. It's just not featured in our day-to-day conversations. But each week in our parish hall, two groups review it together, our AA groups. They know in deeply personal ways the importance of confession and repentance in ways that we tend to overlook and how confession and repentance can be life-changing and life-giving, not only for themselves, but for the world around them. In our time, I think of steps four through seven in AA, because it says it so well. Have I made a searching and fearless moral inventory of myself? Have I I admitted to God and to myself and to another human being the exact nature of my wrongs? Am I entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character? Will I humbly ask him to remove my shortcomings? And then 9 and 10 go on to say, can I make direct amends to such people where possible, except when to do so would injure myself or them? And I'll continue to make a personal inventory. And when I'm wrong, promptly admit it. Confession, repentance, beautifully said in ways that are more like the English we use every day. It's an invitation to change, to look deeply on the inside. That is not a bad way to live. The first time I read the steps for AA, I did it because as a nurse, I had to do CEUs. And if you spent the whole day at a treatment center, you could get eight CEUs for free. It wasn't the noblest of reasons, but it was worth it because I learned something that I had never seen before, a beautiful way of life that aligns with our faith, but says it in a way that's easy for people to apprehend. It is good news that God has a history with us and that God will not abandon us. It's good news that God's message challenges the status quo. It's good news that God cares so deeply about all of his beloved. It's good news that we have a part to play in the work of God. And it is also very good news that we must prepare our hearts if we are going to do it. This week, the Advent candle is the candle of peace. And we know in our lives, in our communities, and all around the world, not everyone is at peace, just as it was when the scriptures were written. Like them, we are called to make a place for God to be at work. There's plenty of areas for God to be at work. This season of Advent allows us the space to search our heart for where repentance, confession, and making amends needs to occur as we await the coming of Christ, the Son of God. My prayer is that each of us will have the courage to go to those deep places and be well prepared for God's arrival.